one year I kind of got an idea, you know, I almost tried trap. I like to trap, I like to make lure, and I like to write. Where can it go from here? I would be able to spend more time in the woods. I was losing money in the fish trapping, but I didn't care. Getting the traps out there is the hardest part, I think, with them. I would leave the critters in the back of my truck in the high school parking lot. We're going to set traps, like, no matter what. Some of these guys have trapped these areas for generations. We got through the fur boom. This is Northern Michigan, this is what you do. Trappers love game trappers in a positive light. I'm gonna ask you guys a question. Do you know everything? This will be fun. Trying to learn something from these legends. Ask questions without asking questions. Volumes of Perfect and Game magazine. Instruction from Perigo Gorman. Perg Lennon's articles, the Perg Lennon ads. Two information, trapping radios. We are trappers on ourselves. To me, that's pretty important. Alright, everybody listening to me? Develop a system yet that's working ahead of time to build big trapping. If you got variables to change the characters, you got bog trap. They start talking about these big fans. Most of my tunes are coming from up top, not down bottom. Probably the best part of the country in the world. I don't get any better. Trying to set predator trash and trash waders. The back of that beaver looks like a sheer. You better edit this part out. Yeah, it was better. Back in the fur shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Thank you for listening and great to have you here. We are brought to you by Cots Brothers Lures. K-A-A-T-Z. B-R-O-S. Dot com, traps, snares, baits, lures, books, DVDs. Cotsboros has what you need to get started on the trap line. We're also brought to you by OnX Maps. Use your phone as a GPS on the trap line. Mark trap locations. Scout for trapping areas using the latest aerial imagery and get landowner information. The app is incredibly useful. OnXMaps.com. Use the code TRAP, T-R-A-P, for 20% off your first purchase. And Moyle Making Tannery. What are you going to do with the fur that you catch this year? You want to preserve some of those memories and have something to hang on the wall? You want to make mitts, make a, a hat out of some of the first furs you catch? Maybe you've been in the fur market for a lot of years and you're tired of getting low dirt, rock bottom prices for your fur and you want to explore different markets. Preserve that fur for the long term. Use the professionals. Moyle Make Tanner has been doing this forever. Family run business and they do an incredible job for a reasonable price. Go to moyle.net, M-O-Y-L-E.net, and use the customer portal to get your order ready, ship them your fur, and uh, they will send you back a, a, just a beautiful product. Um, tanned fur is is really hard to beat. There's so many different things you can do with it. All right, guys, in tonight's episode, we're just at the end of spring beaver trapping. There's still about a week left in the season here, believe it or not, but there's green grass all over the place. Uh, we had a little bit of snow, it just melted. Uh, spring, despite winter's uh, desire to hang on, spring is here. And so uh, I'm finishing up. I'm just kind of uh, working on fur that I had stashed in the freezer and pulling it out, thawing it, and uh, and getting it dry, flushed and dried and tacked up on boards. So that's been uh, kind of the what I've been doing in the fur shed here lately. I had a chance to sit down with Billy Thompson recently. And Billy's one of those old-time trappers that just uh, has more passion for beaver trapping than anyone I think I've ever met. Uh, it's always a lot of fun with him. And so we sat down for an oh, hour and 20 probably. So we'll split this up into two different parts in the interest of time. And we talk about the, the spring we've been having. We get into a little bit of trapping methods for beaver, uh, a little bit about otter as well. 
and different observations that he has, thoughts on the fur market and so on. We have a lot of fun, so um, we're going to get into it, guys. Hope you enjoy. Oh, uh, before we start, I ought to give you an update on the fur market, though. I just put a post up on trappingtoday.com, and actually I put up two posts this week, so you might want to check that out. Um, the uh, I did an article on my Martin trap line and how I used... Uh, habitat observations and looking at habitat at the right scale to increase my success in martin trapping. So I included a bunch of pictures with aerial imagery that I pulled off the Onyx app, and uh, and I think some of you guys would find this pretty interesting. So that's on trappingtoday.com, and then I put up an update based on the recent fur harvesters online fur auction results. That auction ran from April 17th through the 20th. Maybe I should get on trappingtoday.com and look at my post so I can give you guys just a little bit of an overview of the prices. In general, I pr- pretty much give you the rundown. Coyotes and muskrats did really well. And beyond that, not it wasn't much. So the, the market is showing some signs of life. We're seeing a little bit of a comeback, but we're still... We still got low prices for a lot of species. The coyote market was pretty amazing. Those western coyotes actually averaged $98. So uh, close to 100 bucks on western heavy coyotes. Those were 100 a couple years ago. They dropped down to 60 or 70 for a little while recently, and they bounced back up. Uh, eastern coyotes were about half that price, $46 average. Still pretty awesome. Uh, so, so those are two really, really good prices. Apparently, the demand was there for for those items. However, uh, the lower end dropped off quickly, and the rest of the coyotes averaged about twelve bucks. So there was a big drop off there, um, which was pretty typical with a lot of this stuff. You could tell there, there was uh, uh, the the demand was not as. Uh, uh, let's just say the bench wasn't as deep when it comes to fur buyers uh, at this sale. But stuff sold, and where there was demand, there were sales. Muskrat, muskrat was hot. So muskrats sold, pretty much all of them sold. There were 81,000 offered, and they averaged $5.12. That is the best muskrat average that I've seen in a lot of years. So that is very, very encouraging. Looking forward to seeing if that market continues to develop. I don't know the exact reasons behind it, but my suspicion is the shortage of ranch mink has increased demand for muskrats because muskrat usually are a good substitute for ranch mink fur. When when ranch mink gets really expensive, muskrat prices tend to go up because people use them as a substitute. So uh, as you might expect, when ranch mink are hard to find, then um, muskrat would be in, in somewhat higher demand. So that was cool. The rest of the stuff, not so much. Uh, beaver didn't have great demand. The average for beaver was 14 bucks, and uh, the those were mainly the the eastern first section beaver, and it, and the western beaver didn't even sell. So there just wasn't. I don't think there was enough buyer interest to really uh, have a true representation of price there. However, there was interest in beaver caster. Caster averaged about a hundred dollars a pound. It was amazing. So the, there were four grades of caster. There was one, two, three, and then there was like what a Western Canadian select or whatever they call it. That select stuff was $120 a pound. Uh, then 110 for the grade one, 100 for grade two, and 90 for grade three. 
my caster had two pounds in there and they averaged 100 a pound. So I was super, 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 super happy about that. That was great. Um, those are the bright spots. And then moving down the list, everything was kind of else was kind of disappointing. Wild Mink, 78% sold for $5.83. Otter, 60% sold for $16.44. That's just, uh, it's it's really sad to see Otter that low. Um, Martin, were, Martin were okay. They started to come back just a little bit. We saw averages of $30 to $60. They, they were sorted out by size and grade. And those, uh, those Alaskan Martin and Better Canadian Martin were 50 to $60. Uh, I actually heard from a trapper in Alaska averaged about 40 So there was some variability there. I had one Martin that was held over for a couple of sales. And uh, it was the only one I had left over there from the lot that I had averaged $7 there last year. And I got 30 bucks for it. So I, I guess I can't complain. Uh, Fisher were disappointing. I had three or four Fisher in the auction, and I think I averaged about 18 bucks. And the overall Fisher average was $16.54. So that was not good. Bobcat was interesting. So the Western Bobcats, which are the top quality cats, they have been going for, you know, around, uh, they were around 300 bucks. And then recently with the, the recent drops, they were down around 175 or so, if I remember right. Those averaged 200. So they weren't spectacular. They didn't bounce back to that 300 where we've been in for quite a while. Uh, 200 bucks, that was, you know, it, it was okay. But the surprising part was the uh, Canadian and Central Bobcats averaged 100 bucks. So those were averaging like 30 to $60 depending on the sale, and those were 100 So I don't know what's happening there, but that was pretty cool to see. It, it, was, uh, it, it was good. It was very good. Canada Lynx averaged $67, nothing to be uh, excited about there. I mean, they've bounced around a little bit between 30 and 60 as well. 60 is still 67 is still quite low for them. Raccoons most did not sell, just a few sold, and they were averaged a little over eight dollars. I assume those were some of the better coons, and the rest of the furs at the sale were pretty much the same prices as the past couple of auctions. So, a little bit of encouragement. It's it's we're moving forward. Some prices are starting to bounce a little bit. When we get people in person to to bid on fur that they can actually touch and feel and see. I think we're going to see an, an even greater improvement. But for now, hey, it's what it is. It's it's uh, it's a little bit encouraging. I guess it just depends on how you want to look at it. So I I feel uh, I like to be positive. So that's where we're at with the latest uh, in the fur market. And I think that's all for updates. So let's get into my sit down with Billy Thompson. Well, we lost Jeff. We are going to record with him. Mm. And... Uh, you know what I should have told him? Geez, Jeff, you could. This would really be good for your business. There's probably a lot of guys listening that would want to go on a bear hunt, on a guided bear hunt. Yeah. So, tell him we'll. You know, we it would have been. Because you'd be surprised who listens to stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I've had a lot of a lot of people ask questions, and they, because they, no matter where they are, everybody's heard of Maine, and not many places you can bait bears. Great. So a lot of people ask about it. So, does he do trapping bears? I don't. I haven't heard. The, I don't know. He must do some. I know they run with dogs. They do. They do quite a he bit does. of that. Yeah. 
Danny Wagner does a lot of the trapping because he's a good bear trapper because he worked with the state for years. Yeah. He claimed, he told me that he thinks he's caught over 200 bear. Yep. You know, working with sure. them guys. And That's the thing with those guys that you can't get that experience anywhere. No. Because as a trapper, you can take one bear a season. So how many years does it take you? And those guys will... I, I don't know how many they'll trap in six weeks. It it, it might be a hundred bears, yeah. or at least sixty or eighty bears. So you get a lot of chances to learn. That. So it's been a good season so far. Yep, yeah. a lot better than I thought it'd be. So we're probably three weeks ahead, two or three weeks ahead. At of least normal. two or three weeks. And it's the last week. It's like every single day is perfect for mm -hmm. it's sunny See, this water level right now is usually the last three or four days of the regular season yeah so we got what two more weeks <laughs> gonna be hard to find a spot set of traps <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the river the last three days and, and driving by it doesn't look much lower but the last three days it's dropped a foot yep all my traps are, it's a foot lower than it was when I set them the day before. I noticed on the Madawaska this morning, I set them for a hind foot catch and they were just right this morning for a front foot. Yeah. So yeah. that's the thing to remember is when it's dropping, you set for a hind foot and let it drop. And your trap's still working. It's still working. Yeah. And a lot of guys don't figure that out that when they're there, especially if you're tending in the morning, because yeah. that's got another 12, 15 hours before dark. Mm -hmm. And that water drop, drop, drop. It's out of water. Yeah. And exactly. I've never had luck with a foot trap out of water. Exposed, yeah. I don't know what, what there is about it. And I, and I even think that the conna bears are, can be that way too. I think they are because they go around them. Mm -hmm. Knock you, them over. So I interviewed a guy from Georgia... Uh, about a month ago and he he's trapped probably I think he said 16,000 beaver and he did ADC for about 20 years mm -hmm. and he uh, he claims that the especially further south in latitude that the animals can sense the magnetic field of the trap and certain animals are more sensitive to it like a coyote and a fox and a beaver um, and so, it, it, in some cases, it might be that they just know that metal is there. They, mm. There's something, there's something that's off about it. Yeah. And I thought the theory kind of made sense because, what's the animal that is not shy of a bear trap? Yeah, he knows that it's, it's something different. There. The only the only animal that that is not trap shy and will step onto a bare metal trap is a bobcat or a lynx and this chemical they have animals have to sense the magnetic field the cats don't have it no, they don't no i didn't know that <laughs> see i learned something yeah so i it's those things that you notice all the time and you don't know why and then someone mentioned something like that yeah like, well there yes sir could make sense but i know the order I don't know about the otter though. They'll go through an empty trap sometimes because I've 
I've had guys from other states that can set high and dry, 220s, yeah. Yeah. And, but they want to set a rusty old trap, nothing with no dip or nothing. It's got to be really? just rusty, and it blends in good. Yeah. And evidently, it don't bother them. They just... Yeah, yeah you hear about them in those catfish ponds and down in the south, and mm-hmm. they'll just set right on the ground on the trails that come right. in and out of the ponds. Yeah. Now, that was interesting. We were talking about the other night about uh, the way otter travel through a trap because this is, for guys that don't know, this is the extended beaver season in Maine, and so it's not otter season. So we are allowed to keep otter if we catch them incidental to beaver trapping, but we can't use bait, like fish for bait or anything that right. might catch an otter. Um, and we're, we don't have any requirements on how to set our traps, which I think is good. But voluntarily, a lot of us, you're doing it and I'm doing it, we're setting our triggers all the way over to the side to try to make that so an otter will swim through the trap. Yeah. And my round triggers, I'm making them big. Big, yeah. And an otter can go through them. I think that's why I'm getting some sprung traps. Probably the tail springs them. Yeah. And uh, they're just going so fast they're going, which I'm glad. But you, you said some. Yeah, I mean we don't. I we, don't want to skin it because <laughs> it ain't worth nothing. I don't want to skin it off, otter. Um, you mentioned something that I thought was interesting about how they hug certain. You think they hug the sides of those? They hug the sides of everything. Mink does the same thing. That's why that bottom edge works so good for a mink. Otter does the same thing. When they're going around, you got a bend in a stream. Set to the inside bend. They cut short everything they go. They save energy or whatever, and they cut. And so was that what you were saying, is if you're going to set your trigger to the side, you want to set it on the outside? Outside, I think, helps. So then they tuck into the inside of your trap, and they're mm-hmm. less likely to hit the trigger. That makes sense. Yeah. Because when you're right dead center, it doesn't matter because you've got it blocked There's off. no space, yeah. Or the runner just the width of a corner bear. Yeah. yeah. You're going to catch them. I had that one in a duke, and I had it all the way to the edge, but it's still that animal filled that trap. Of course, when the traps fired off, they look bigger too, but mm-hmm. he was... It was a little bit to sneak by and probably didn't take much and just grazed it a little bit, you know. So. Yeah, and I think sometimes them water are playing when they're coming downstream because I've watched them roll. They they roll and roll and roll and just mess around, you know. <laughs> they, they're a funny animal. Yeah. And But yet when they're going upstream, they'll avoid your corner bears more. They'll pop out. You'll see on snow. They'll pop out, go around go you, around. back in the water. <laughs> and they go over land a lot more than people think. Hmm. Yeah. I watched a couple yesterday. Big otter. Really? They were headed upstream, and I had a corner bear upstream, and I had a crossover set with a TS. And they spotted me, and they turned and went the other way, and I was glad. I thought, sure, I'd probably have them this morning. I didn't. You didn't, no. No. And and uh, it's majority males that we're catching. I assume that you're the same way with you. Yep. 
Because the females... Although this year I'm catching more females than I thought. Really? Ratio. And that's a sign of a lot of otter. Yeah. Yeah, I caught... When the population's up. That one I got this morning was a female. The other two were males. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's... Because this time of year the females are really... They should be laying pretty low. What they are, they're in these old beaver houses that's abandoned. Yeah. Getting ready to have their litter. And they don't travel. You know, they they pick a spot that's got some food so they can take care of their young for a while. Yeah. Because I think the male order, they have to protect their from the, Yeah, from protect the, the young from the males. That, that they don't leave sense. them for quite a while. That's funny. It, it really doesn't seem to take long for them to find those abandoned beaver houses. I remember a couple of years ago, I was trapping uh, over to Garfield. There was a, a place where a guy had this big, big beaver house. It was flooding this field. And uh, actually, I went in with Alex, the kid used mm-hmm. to hang around here. And we trapped. We got 10 beaver out of that house all the way down to the last one. And we kept the traps in for a couple of days to make sure that we'd caught them all and the last day we went to pick up we had an otter yeah and it was right at the entrance to the moving house. in yep <laughs> <laughs> empty fresh house yeah <laughs> all dry hay inside grass and perfect yeah was it a female do you remember i don't remember i bet it was i don't remember yeah she'd have been just straight set up for this for uh that spring but I very rarely set an entrance to a beaver house because that's, to me, that's order. I don't know why they allowed them to set entrances to beaver houses. But it, but if you have an active beaver house, that's... It's active, you'll catch the little catch, beaver. You'll catch beaver. Um, to, to me, it was, when I first started trapping, I thought it was just the uh, the height of trapping it would be the ideal spot to set mm. is right in the entrance of the house and in some places i think it is like when you have uh, like a river a den on the bank and they only got one way right out. you got them but, but the last couple of years i've screwed up a few times and i've learned like i've walked all the way around the house and found two three entrances and set them up in open water and then all of a sudden, they dig another one out. Yeah, they dig and out. <laughs> one gets caught. Yep. And they see that, and they go around, or they or they just stay. And I was talking to one of the old timers around here, and he said, um, he said, you know, you you catch them just as easily out out further away, and then the, you don't spook the rest of the beavers. I didn't really believe that, but I started I started making sets. And I found out something over the years. You don't have to move that trap after you've caught one or two beaver if you only move it five or ten feet in a different spot they'll they'll go back using that run and you'll catch them again but after you catch one or two that run goes dead okay they'll find another entrance or go over land yeah but if you move it they forget that's they, oh it's gone boom and, and that's something like for as trappers it's one of those things you could be a lot more effective. Mm. It takes extra work. But I did that. We were talking about the other day where I just, for some reason, there's a, a, a back eddy in the river. 
and there was a nice little side spot and there's fresh peeled sticks in there and I thought oh this is great and I set a 330 and a dive stick there and I had a beaver watching me make the set and slapping his tail and I went three days and I never caught a beaver there so I moved it about 50 feet away to the more closer to the main channel the next day I had a beaver the next day I had another beaver (laughs) I don't know but they talk to each other you hear them in the you probably heard I can't hear good now but years ago I could hear them all mumbling in there. you know you listen and they're always squeaking and the otters make a lot of noise I know that yeah but beaver do too and they must have some kind of signal to yeah gotta have they got to it's interesting you know they this beaver trapping, we just think we've got it figured out, and they'll throw a whammy at you, and you've got to, what the heck now are they doing? When they... You learn it, you learn a little bit every oh, yeah. year. Oh, yeah. Did you learn anything this, this year so far? Probably. <laughs> I, it's very seldom a year goes by you don't learn something. Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing how... Little things that you don't eat, you take for granted, and then all of a sudden you hit yourself behind the back your head, you know, and you say, "Jeez, I knew better than do that," you know. Yeah. Are you setting more three thirties this year? Yeah. Yeah. Only because of the water. Yeah. But I should be setting more foot traps because you catch more beaver than you do water. But you, you don't want to, you don't want to have live beaver in your couple days check in. Right. And that's the thing. Another thing that a lot of people don't understand because you think about well, we're up on the edge of the big woods, and the, the big woods is all this huge country, and there's all the landowners have a lot of problems, but every single road crosses water. I used to hang them up. I didn't care if they drowned or not because I was going to kill them the next day yeah. or two. And uh, now I'm careful of that because of fishermen and people walking dogs. 60 degrees and sunny and uh, everybody's out. And all they have to do is see a live animal in a trap trying to get out of it. Yeah. And it sets a bad image. Yeah. So you got to use your head a little bit, you know. And what I'm getting at with the out west is if you really look at it for the amount of ground you have to cover. There is nowhere near the beaver numbers there no. as there is no. east in the farm country. Right. And the problem with that farm country is you got people. People. <laughs> They're your worst enemies. <laughs> if they don't screw your trap up by throwing rocks and sticks in it, they see it with a beaver in it. Yeah. And it. And sometimes they'll call the wardens because they mm-hmm. don't know that that's legal, and you know, or they think there's a hurt animal or something. This is a good example. Over in Washburn, I on Salmon Stream, going out to leave yeah. Washburn, you go through. Yeah. Well, there was this woman that lived right there by Salmon Stream. She and her husband lived there in a trailer. And I'm down there setting a trap one day, and she, she said, oh, I told her I was trapping beaver, and I was right by the road, all legal. But in back of their house was old beaver bogs. 
And she said, oh, if you want to trap up there, she said, them things eat our trees and everything, you know. Feel free to go up there. And I'm thinking I don't have to because I'm getting them right, right. there, you know. Year, Two yeah. years later, I'm there setting the trap. She comes down. She says, I wish you wouldn't trap beaver anymore here. <laughs> I said, why? What's the matter? She says, I watched the thing on nature and, and they showed how the beaver is so important to have around. Yeah. I said, were they important when they were eating the trees? <laughs> and when they're plugging this culvert up and it floods out? And then you as a taxpayer have as to pay? As a taxpayer, you have to pay the... Yeah. I don't care, she says. Yeah, she, she, she saw that program that only showed the good thing a beaver does. And it's emotionally, it's an emotional decision she made. Was Yeah, and she was emotional. So I said, hey, I'll pull. You got lots of other places I, to say. I catch him downstream. Right? <laughs> so I didn't care. But I I pulled and she called the warden and he, Alan went and yep. checked that bridge to see if I had to make set sure it. it yeah. Which I could have set it legally. Le yeah. But I pulled out because it's better to keep it that yeah, way. Yeah, it's not worth... A lot of guys would have gotten a pissing contest with her. And, you know, they, there's enough beaver around. Yeah. yeah. And, and people ride with me, and we cross the same brook sometimes two or three times, and they say, how come you're only set in one spot? Springtime, you're going to get those that are down. Why not go set more brooks? streams cover more ground and uh, within a week certain beaver are going to be down there or up, up to it anyway so yeah it's amazing on on the river where where i've got a few traps set just close to home i, mean, I saw more beaver again this morning yeah I've, I've they're pulled, moving up and down I've visiting pulled 14 everybody. 15 beaver out of that one spot within half a mile of the house and they're still coming in oh yeah they'll be coming all <laughs> month you'll never get them all there because yeah. there's so many beaver. Yeah. Now, if this was the 70s or the fur boom, there'd be people all winter all long away. up and down the river trapping them, and then that would be different. But there's nobody trapping them. If they'd have had open water trapping back in the 70s... Yeah, they might not have ever had a beaver problem. They might not have <laughs> too much of a beaver problem. They might not even have a population. <laughs> But I think they're doing good in places that we trap them hard. They seem to come they, back better. Yeah, and it's interesting because the towns that you're working with are real happy because they are saving a lot of money yeah. by just giving you a little bit to trap beaver in the spring. Mm -hmm. And uh, But the beaver are still coming back. There just aren't as many to cause as many problems. No, because what we do in the spring, we catch them pairs that have gotten kicked out. And the first thing they're going to plug up to try to make a home is a culvert. Yeah. And you're getting them out of the way. Those old females that are back in the woods, they're going to stay back in there. Yeah, yeah, because it's their territory. They're safe, yeah. and that's their territory. Yeah. These these beaver, we're getting them mostly extra-large beaver, large and extra-large. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones getting booted out. Yeah. So it works both ways. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, though, how many beaver this country's had in it. Yeah. But, you know, down home, where I haven't trapped under the ice now for 20 years, I, I rode around on my sled this winter, and there's very few beaver. Really? And them old bogs, that, there was beaver there every year. 
I really believe that the theory that a good amount of trapping results in more abundant population. Makes them healthy. Um, And they they don't eat themselves out. What's happened to them older bugs down home, they've eaten all all the food source around them, so they've moved. They move on, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And when we were catching two to four beaver out of a colony, we were keeping them there because it was still food. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And the guys up in Canada that have those registered trap lines, they go into an area that when if someone doesn't trap that line for a long time and somebody comes in new and they start trapping it and they take a certain number out, they got it all calculated how many mm-hmm. they can take. They, I think everyone that I've talked to says that they produce more fur when mm-hmm. they're trapping it. Yep. If, if they leave it be and don't trap it, it produces a lot less fur. Yep. So, it's, I mean, it's better for the trapper, it's better for the animals, it's better for the habitat. So yep. it's, a good, it's a good balance. Yeah, you got to balance everything out because there's so many things going on today that sets the balance off, too. The way they cut wood and yep. different things, the roads they build. Yeah, every road is a potential dam. Yeah, because I wouldn't, I wouldn't dare to say in the North Main Woods is over a million, million miles of roads. <laughs> because there's roads everywhere, isn't there? There's, there's a road to pretty much every half mile. Yep. You, you in industrial forest. Yep. Now, if you head up on that TNC land, there's it might be a little bit less, and there's some of it's winter roads, but. They don't skid more than a quarter mile right. away from a road. And so the roads skid a quarter Just mile this way, a quarter mile, mile that way. Every yep. road's half a mile apart. Yep. And, every and look single... at the culverts they have to put in. Yep. And every culvert is just a magnet to a young beaver. They've already started the dam there. They've choked up sure. the stream channel. Yep. Narrowed it down. And, and they've cut two back there's in a, yep there's a lot younger wood fresh hardwood coming up <laughs> the beaver love that <laughs> yeah they bitch about the beaver but they're causing the habitat <laughs> you know yeah hey hello but <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing it's good to as a trapper you can kind of be a problem solver too in that regard the only unfortunate thing about it is to to see how low the value of the fur is. One thing I'm surprised this year, the bears come out early and I haven't lost a beaver to a bear yet. Yeah, you've had that in the past. Oh yeah. Yeah, usually one or two a year when we were having the good normal spring. And this year I figured, oh, we're gonna be hurting. They're gonna rip traps out. But they haven't bothered yet. I know my one of my friends up in Alaska talks about bears and when they're trapping and it's pretty it can be pretty bad he's had him just he's had him pull beaver up and pull the whole rock bag and everything out oh, of the yeah. water just take it yeah they're strong yeah and they eat anything when they're hungry they're gonna eat oh beaver make good bear bait oh yeah <laughs> Troy does a hundred percent on his bear guides on Indian land in the spring. Really? Yeah. Is he using almost all beaver? Yeah. 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 
Yeah, some good. He gets them coming meat. with the beaver, and then it, and it gets later because it rots too quick. So then he yeah. changes to green. Yeah. Donuts and sugary stuff. Sweets. But all that fat, if, if you know, bear coming out of winter needs to gain weight quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, that beaver meat is probably about the best. The thing best that- it is. You take these old sled dogs and stuff, or bear oh, hounds. They did and great stuff. on beaver. Yeah. You give them some beaver meat, and they come back pretty quick. Yep. Me too. I've been eating quite a bit of it. Yep, I like it. It's just the only problem is, you get to where you're you're skinning for a few hours and you're tired. You can't. Boy, it's hard to stop and just clean everything up it takes a long time to cut the meat out of it yeah that's where you need two or three guys around and if you could train them just to take the meat out as you're skinning yeah like yeah, we did with Rankin last year yep that sausage that he made was that was good super you put that in spaghetti and did something about it it doesn't hurt it a bit does it no it's really nice and the hamburgers that he made was good. It probably should have had some pork added to it. Would have been a little better, yeah. maybe. But they cooked up good, and it was all red meat. Yeah. Yeah, I've been doing the hind the hind quarters, just cutting that whole thing off, sticking three, four of them in a crock pot. A little barbecue sauce, some onions, with that. When Harold Levine trapped with me here. We had a crock pot going all the time, and we added to it every night. <laughs> really? Like a like And a we'd stew. leave it on low. Yeah. During the day, we'd get back. You had a meal. Didn't yeah. have to cook. That's it a good It was unreal. Put a and I'd have a beaver stew thing here at night, and some of the guys wouldn't, wouldn't want it. No, I don't eat nothing like that. Yeah, if they didn't know what it was, they'd, then, they'd like it. The second year... We get them to, they'd at least try it. And now those people are the ones that want me to cook beaver stew again. Yeah. And once they've had it, they get that out of their mind. Because it's all red meat yep. and good meat. Clean, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And think about it. That animal hasn't been eating anything bad. It's all natural. There's Nobody's pumping hormones in all it. Only vegetation. Yeah. Back in vegetation. If he was in a highly polluted area, maybe. But, boy, there's nothing here that would... But the only ones we're careful of are those that get... You get around the up. Air Force Base there, you got to be careful. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think I'd save too many of those. <laughs> They'd probably full of stuff. Yeah. But. but you get out in the big woods out here, those people have never seen nothing, you no. know, other than... No just trees and it's amazing how muscly they are out there too they're, they're not as big but their their meat texture seems to be stronger like harder don't it i don't know i haven't really paid yeah. attention to it yeah less fat on them yeah most of the time yeah maybe that's just less maybe less it's food. from what they eat too yeah they're getting a lot of other roots and stuff over here in the farm country and we were talking the other night about the eat, eating cattail roots, and you know I never would have thought that, but the you last, can eat them. I, people could eat cattail roots. I've heard of people really preparing them. 
Like I've got beaver by me that don't they don't make a feed pile. No, they don't have to. <laughs> they just dig and they they dig that pond deeper all winter. What what amazes me? How do they see in the winter? <laughs> yeah, I know. Mudding that up so bad. How do they know how to get back to their den? Right. They're yeah. under ice. They can't hardly see to begin with. <laughs> I, they must I'm, just feel where the run where the run is. They're just... amazing animal to be under the ice for six months of the year and survive. Oh, yeah. I think. They'd get pretty claustrophobic. Huh? It's gotta be. I could. I'd be dead the first day. <laughs> Yeah, and I've seen I've caught them before, in the winter, a half a mile from their house. Really? Yeah, and a good old guys told me that the beaver swims, which they probably do, with their nose right up next to the ice to hit the air pockets. Yeah, and they can go and go and go. So, I don't know where I heard this, but I, I heard something about some. They have some sort of. Uh, a survival mechanism where they can release a little bit of air. Mm-hmm. Did you ever see when you drown in one, air comes out of them everywhere? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what they do. And then they go up and suck it under the ice just a little bit, just to give them a little more time if they're a little ways from the house. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's amazing what they can do. And then they're in, in that house, and that's frozen all around them and covered in snow. There's not much air circulating through that thing. The only you see air coming out of it because it has a... I've seen a steam before come out in the winter on a cold day, but very seldom. But the top of the house is always melted off within a day or two after a storm. Yeah. So they must have some vents there somehow to get... Yeah, there's got to be something to get fresh air. Yeah. So... What what is your observations on the pelts uh, from the time when you start and the ice is just starting to let out? Those then, are the best. Yeah. They just like winter beaver for the first week, week or two. Then as it gets later, they get out fighting and roaming. And you'll notice in your corner bears this gobs of hair. When they start doing that, they're shedding. Okay. That hits them just right and it bunches that hair out of them and that's why when you're grading beaver and the spring beaver your spring beaver you'll get a lot of like no god hair for just fuzz yeah and it's going corner bear they'll wear it and wiggle and and so you in the sun must the sun must do something to the pelt too. It don't seem to bother the beaver, but the otter boy wants to singe. The, they're out on top of the ice in the winter and they singe, and they're totally singed by now. Yeah, you've seen them. Yeah. But when the otter market's hot, that doesn't matter. It's funny For how some that works. <laughs> when when it's when the uh, price gets up there though and the price gets higher it always seems to matter yeah (laughs) so they can grade it down you ever notice that i noticed that they they the higher the price goes the less picky they are and the lower the price goes the more picky they are and and uh i sometimes it doesn't take much to get downgraded for damage and i've sent stuff I've had I've started to self grade stuff and I won't even send it 
because I see a little something on it. But I've sent that stuff to the tannery and it's come back and it's not that bad. You can. I was a shipping agent for 15 to 20 years for North Bay. For fur, fur so harvesters? Or fur no? harvesters. Yeah. And I got to see everybody's fur. And they had a choice. They could sell it to me or they could ship it. So you were a buyer and a shipper. I was a buyer and a shipper. I was the only one that bought and shipped, I think, in this state. But I would see people bring fur in that I didn't even want to buy, and they'd get top lot fur. And then I'd see people that always did real good because they took care of their fur good, but they always seemed to do good, you know? Yeah. And they'd ship because I couldn't touch their prices. Yeah. And then I'd see some guys ship fur that was good fur, maybe the first time they ever shipped or something, and they'd never ship again. They'd say, no, we'll sell to you first, because they wouldn't get the grade. Hmm. So I don't know what they do up there, how they grade. Or, but I figured it out after a while. If I sent them the low-grade stuff, I did better. <laughs> Figure that one out. Well, you know, I, I, I have beef cattle, and I've read a lot, and I've done a lot with buying and selling cattle, and they they say that you're almost better off if if you have, say say you got a hundred cattle and you got to sort out a, a truckload out of them. If you take all the bad ones and you put them in one load, they can't pick a bad one out of them, and okay. so your average is probably better. But if you take half good, and you know, if well, you take these a, graders are supposed to know. Right? <laughs> If you just took a random 20 out of the 100, that, oh, that one's no good, we could downgrade it. That one's no good, we could downgrade it. Well, that an animal probably is, it's worth less, but it's probably not worth 50% less. Right. It might be 15% less. Yeah. But you don't, you get the downgrade when it's with a bunch of good fur, cause it, or a bunch of good good cattle, because it, it looks, it's a, it's a contrast. Yeah. I'm guessing that's the same thing with fur. Yeah, you the first it. guy that I bought for, he bought on an average, so it was easy to buy fur because you knew he'd tell you two dollars above what he would pay trappers, so he was making four dollars. I was making two, say. Yeah. But you knew if you if a guy come in with a hundred beaver and you'd only pick out the hatters or the damaged, badly damaged, or you could knock them down a little bit. And sometimes he'd buy even those, he'd put them right in a good pile. So you made a little money that way. But the last guy I bought for was a grader. But the grades seemed to change every year, so you couldn't figure <laughs> it out. You know what I mean? It was kind of, yeah. It, he was honest, but he was careful with himself. Yeah. And I made, actually more money with him than I did the guy that I was buying that you could go $2 profit on everything. Yeah. So. Yeah, and like I we'd said earlier, you, the grades can change every year depending on what the collection yeah, is. Yeah, and it's what they want to be buying. If so. they only have, you know, if they have a very small amount of number ones in a certain color, they may lump that in with the twos. That's right. And then everybody's number ones go down. 
So yeah. you, you just never and know. Fur harvesters got caught doing that a lot. Of, and that's why people were more skeptical about their grade because they didn't have the true grade in some of it. They was trying to push it too far. Yeah, I think that... And I think they all get to that point. We all do. Yeah. I, th I don't know about you, but I try to push everything I can to. Yeah. It's human nature to... Yeah. I think it, the tough part about it is everything is so low right now that you can't expect anything. Yeah, and there's less fur being bought because it's not being produced. And it, I've seen it before, but it comes back usually. Hopefully it will this time. I got coyotes there. I got fisher there. I got just one or two Martin and some other stuff. But I'm okay losing money on that if it keeps the lights on so that we still have an auction next year and the year after yeah. so that it's an, at least an option to send fur if you have to have a place to sell yeah. it. But like we were saying, if you if you put your buyers out of business, then you're screwing yourself. <laughs> Same with the, with the wood business. It'll be interesting. This weekend is the Central Maine sale. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see. I think there will only be one major buyer there. Okay. And so things ain't going to be. Is that Palmyra? Is yeah. that in Palmyra? Palmyra. I've never been to that one. You never have? And they always, years ago, they they had the best sale of anybody. They, because they had s several buyers there. Yeah. And uh, people would pay more there just to be the buyer. Have your name. Which was good for the trapper, but yeah. not the guy buying. <laughs> Hopefully, he could buy enough to make up for make it. up the difference. You know. So there's only going to be one buyer, you think? I think so. Boy, that's not good. Because. Steve is up here trapping this week, supposedly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he could know. he could pop in at any minute. Yeah. Probably. They were supposed to come today, so. Yeah. But I imagine they're setting traps. First day you set right until dark. <laughs> you should. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe they're not getting here until late today. I I don't know. Yeah, this is one of those years where I think they had to change their schedule, and you wouldn't, you couldn't have scheduled for, for this year. I mean, everything was so far off that, I mean, you go, you wait till the last week, you're gonna miss it. But wouldn't you think Central Maine would, waited, until, into May first, the second week into May. Yeah, the you mean with the auction, because mm. this weekend is fur harvesters auction. Yeah. But down there, the uh, it's it stopped this Thursday, right? Yeah, the fifteenth. The 15th season closed. Yeah, tomorrow. So, seeing they think everybody's gonna have that fur done in well, well that's the thing. Two days, and no, they're not. Nobody's ever like it seems like spring beaver. You all you almost have to always sell to a buyer privately. Because there's no auctions after the spring season's done, and there's no the fur auctions. Their receiving dates are earlier. Yeah. Even the auction that they used to have in May, their receiving date was yeah. in March. So, yeah. you almost have to sell to a local guy. Yep. And now, you know, we're talking. There's there's a guy that I've been sending beavers to out west, and 
it's a pretty good market, but it's softening, and you can only take so many, and it's four or five dollars a beaver to ship it, if you're lucky. So all you got is scary. One guy up here that's that's gonna be looking at the fur, and then for me, I'm I'm just gonna send it to get tan. You got him. All right, we got one more set down with Billy that he and I talked about a bunch of different topics. So uh, look forward to that maybe next week. We'll see how things go. And finally, for the Cotsboro's message of the week, if you are one of those spring beaver trappers who uses the TS-85, which is my favorite beaver trap, Cotsboro's has developed a setting tool after having lots of demand for a, a tool to make it easier to set those traps. They have a TS-85 setter uh, on their website, cotsbros.com. It's very simple. They're like, I think, $16.95, something like that. Uh, go to cotsbros.com. Just click on that search bar, and, uh, well, it's on the featured product, $16.95, here right at the beginning of the site, just as soon as you scroll down. Um, and and there's they're some nice nice pair of setters there uh, painted orange so that you don't lose them in the grass uh, heavy duty made in the USA good to go guys so if you got the TS's and you use them a lot and you're getting to where you're maybe pushing straining a little bit to try to get them set this will make life a lot easier for you check them out cotsbros.com thanks cotsbros for sponsoring the show and guys Till next time, keep on talking trapping, keep on thinking trapping. We will catch you on the next episode.